evening, everyone. Question tonight? Yes. Um, Raj, I was thinking about um, the idea that everything is within the body of Krishna. And I was wondering how um, what goes against bhakti fits within that, fits within the body of Krishna. And then I was also wondering along the same lines um, the leelas in which uh, demons, as we can see with them, enter into Vrindavan, if they actually enter in, um, or if it's how to think about that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. For example, does Putana enter Vrindavan before she receives Krishna's mercy? Yeah, well, the uh, the idea that uh, everything was within, was within God. Um, so, ours is a panentheistic perspective that's different than a pantheistic perspective by a small word, in. So, pantheism is the world is God, and panentheism is the world in God, which makes God the world and more. Hmm? Um, so, everything within the body of God, there's nowhere that God is, is not. There's, there's nothing other than God who is possessed of different powers and we are a particle of one of those powers. Matter is another one of those powers and so forth. Um, so, different aspects of his of his being, if you will. I've given the example at other times of uh, 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 the biologist. I think his name was Lovelock, who came up with the Gaia principle, in which he proposed that the Earth is a whole living organism, and uh, by extension, we are like cells, I guess you would say, in the body of the of the organism that is the earth. And uh, given that perspective, which is very different than how we th- we think about ourselves, and and how we often um, look at the world, which has given rise to the environmental crisis and so forth. Um, uh, when we uh, see ourselves as a cell, then uh, then um, the separateness of, of, of material existence starts to fade, and, and so so it's a nice idea. So just to give it as an example, hmm? um, in Gaudiya Vedanta, the idea is extended so the world, universe. Is 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 uh, what Krishna says in the Gita: "Jagat avyakto murtina." The world is my unmanifest form. What he means by unmanifest is that this is a this is my form, but you can't see that it's my form. You're looking at it as something else, just like outside of the Gaia principle. To go back to that, we look at the world as something different. So it's all descriptions and whatnot are all relative to the angle of vision that one has. 
So we've got this myopic, you know, physicalist, scientific uh, uh, perspective and vantage point. And uh, we were talking a little bit about that uh, the, uh, maybe yesterday, the other night, some, a couple nights ago or something. So uh, this is the Gaia idea. It's a very different way of looking at things. And so, yeah, so the world, Krishna says, is within me. And and I'm not inside of it. I'm inside of it. I'm not inside of it. It's within me. I'm I'm beyond it. At the same time, hmm? and how by my by my yoga, by the power of my yoga, by my shakti, I have inconceivable powers by which I can I can reconcile the contradictions that arise in, in between the ears, in the world of reason, logic. You can prove as much as two and two is four. You can also prove that it's that it's not four. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting exercise. We won't go into that tonight. But, um, such is the mutable nature of, uh, of reason and argumentation, which is a statement that the sutras of Vyas make thousands of years ago. Uh, Tarko Pratishtanad that by tarko, by argumentation, by reason, by logic, uh, you know, the, what, what does it say? Quid pro quo? You know, like, that's it, right? Uh, there, There is no, he basically says there is no quid pro quo. Uh, he says that, that by reason, there's always another reason. By logic can always be supp- supplanted by another by another logic. So you can never get any pratishta or any quid pro quo. Any standing, relatively speaking, you may it may appear, but certainly not in an absolute, overarching um, sense. So, uh, the limits of reason for for knowing comprehensively. We say that it's not because I have eyes that I see, but the eyes get in the way of my seeing. The self is the seer, hmm? uh, and the self is the knower. It's not that I know because I have a mind or an intellect, but they limit my capacity to know myself, for example, that lies beyond their ken. So how uh, their instruments, they're valuable, but what is a candle to the sun? Right? So uh, what are the glasses to the eyes? Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so, Krishna says, Jagadav Yaktamurti, the world is, is, is my unmanifest form. In one sense, it means the wor- world is within me, hmm? within the body of God, but we don't see it as such. It's our material condition. We can't see it as such. The scriptures talk about it through Leela, Leela narratives, like the Damodar Leela, when Krishna's mother tried to tie him up with a rope, and it was two inches too short. And the more rope she got, the more it remained two inches too short, until he allowed her to tie him up, and she could originally then tie him with the original, original rope. And he wasn't getting fatter all the time. So it's a whole story. It's a beautiful story. We went over it for a, a month or so recently, relative to the, uh, the time of the year. Um, but that's one of the philosophical uh, lessons that comes out in the, in, in the Leela. God is everywhere, basically. God is omnipresent. 
and the, the fact that he could appear locally, medium size, is a term from Nyaya. You have the finite and the infinite, the infinitesimal and the finite. Can, can't get a grip on either of those. Um, and then you have the medium, okay? Can handle that. So he appears in medium, that's very mystical. We may think that it's very mystical that he's everywhere. Like the mystery of the Bhagavad Gita when Krishna shows to, to Arjuna, another instance, right? That everything is inside of me. That's very mysterious. But it's more mysterious how he's standing in front of Arjuna at the same time, as if, hey, Arjuna, what's happening? Hmm? You want to see everything, how I'm, everything is inside of me? Take a look. And then collapse the vision and, and uh, associates with him intimately. So that's a very, very esoteric um, idea. But at any rate, uh, yes. Uh, the world, it's everything within God. So you, I guess the way you're asking a question, you think, well, God, it's all good, everything is in the world, but everything in the world is not good. So everything, but everything that goes on in your body isn't good either. You can get indigestion, right? <laughs> you can, uh, so there, so, so, uh, um, let's, 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 let's look at what's inside the body of God. You are inside the body of God. We are. And we, as a uh, kind of a finite representation of the Absolute, an atomic representation, um, are small in size in comparatively to the, to the God that we're the part Okay, he's 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 the whole, and um, uh, we're also qualitatively different. We're 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 a sh- particular shakti of his, the tasta shakti, the jiva shakti, right? Now, one of the components, nonetheless, of the jiva shakti is is the will that also Bhagwan has. So, Bhagwan God has will. I mean, he's he's not a stone, right? He has will, so. And his will is free. Our will is not free entirely. His will is free, so sajjasankalpa, so whatever he wants, happens, so to speak, right? Um, you might think, well, why doesn't he save the whole world? Because yeah. he, he's, he's really... Um, it's a big story, but... Um, he doesn't have any experience of the suffering of others because the suffering arises out of ignorance and attachment, and he doesn't have any attachment. So anyway, through the agency of his devotees, of course, he, his compassion is expressed, and they are always working to uh, extend grace to others and result and 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 and, and uh, bring an end to the. Uh, um, Suffering of the of the animation, which is has no end, it has no end. To, to the effort to bring an end, it has no end. Just like in Buddhism, you have the idea of the bodhisattva. He's going to stay around until everyone's liberated. That means he's going to be around forever, <laughs> because the number of people there is no number. There's not a finite number of souls in the world. Um, people say, well, what if everybody gets liberated? Then, then what problem? Maybe we shouldn't pursue it. Don't, you don't have to worry about that, that problem. 
uh, and um, and so it's just it's just it's just part of the existence. So the jiva, the atma is part of existence. The maya is part of existence. I've given an example before. There's a fire. There's it has heat and light. It has sparks and it has smoke. Okay, so the smoke is the maya. It obscures. The jiva is the spark. These are two shaktis, the jiva shakti, the maya shakti. The, the heat and light is the illuminating and the loving energy of Bhagavan that makes his lila go around. We call that bhakti. And then the fire is, is Krishna, Bhagavan himself. So it's all there, all the time. And it's just going on. So this is also a lila. You say, the leelas are eternal. Well, this is also a lila, the shristi lila. It has no beginning, the, the karmic cycles of the world. This is the, the beautiful uh, cyclic you know, notion of, of time that is very peaceful. Hmm? It, 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 uh, it's not like a, a line that uh, you can't define it because every point has to be defined in relation to another point and you keep going backward. But the circle is like, which comes first, the seed or the tree? So, in the line, you can't figure it out. But in the circle, you can see. It's like, what is one, the sound of one hand clapping? Hmm? It's the sound of silence. <laughs> uh, transcendental silence. It's not, a, not the political silence. I think that song was about that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, which comes first, the seed of the tree. You look at the circle and, well, there's a seed of the tree, seed, tree, seed, tree, seed, tree, seed, You don't have a problem. Anyway, so the beautiful idea, if you will, that brings some, uh, some peace to the agitated mind, hmm? cyclic idea, uh, the eternal return. Hmm? Um, uh, so, it, 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 uh, this is a lila. We call it the Shrishti lila, right? So Vishnu, the, the form of Krishna, uh, the, o, the oversoul of the world, is involved in this lila. And it, it involves manifesting the world, giving tools to the jivas, uh, that in connection with bhakti they can become liberated and so forth. So, so at any rate, this is going on. And we are jivas, and we, like Bhagwan, are a unit of will. We have will. We're not a stone. And now our will is not free entirely because um, we are dependent on God's will for our will to manifest. So I've given an example of the farmer. The farmer goes and plants wheat and he wills by that to have wheat. But unless it rains and he gets sufficient sun, which is beyond his control, he cannot realize his desire. So in this analogy, of course, obviously the sun and the rain, this is beyond our power, so this is the will, the will of God. So if God sanctions your will, then it can happen. It can manifest. And it may manifest with his will in relation to other wills also. It's a big managing affair. 
you know, when I purchased the land, when I made a offer to purchase the land in um, Madhavan in Costa Rica, I met with Donnie Mel, and I said, Don, I know, Donnie Mel, I know you're a very pious man, so you went to bed last night praying to God that you would get a good price. He said, yes, yes, yes. I said, well, I did the same thing. <laughs> we gave him a headache last night, so... Uh, so, so there's different wills, and then there's you know what's warranted based on the past, and uh, so on and so forth. So it's a big, big affair, the sanctioning, if you will, and it doesn't always play out the way we might think. But we have will, hmm? right? And um, as such, um, we have the capacity to do things that are not in our interest or are not favorable, for example, for our own selves. And ultimately that would mean um, in terms of <coughs> uniting with our our source, which is the idea of, of bhakti. So there are things against bhakti. There are things, that, there are options. Hmm? Uh, there's uh, the influence of, of, of inertia, tamaguna, and... and uh, uh, well, let's say there is, there are influences of contentment, discontent, and delusion. Psychically, we experience contentment, we experience discontent, which gets us moving, and we we we, we experience delusion, which could make us move or make us sit. And either way, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things manifest physically because the physical world of our vision comes out of the psychic world. Hmm? These are the famous gunas of, 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 the, uh, of the Sankhi philosophy. They bind. These, these are binding influences. The contentment has capacity to help us see the light and, 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 and move beyond the gunas with the help of bhakti. But um, their influence is there, and so the will of the jiva in relation to the influence of Thomas and Rajas uh, uh, may result in the jiva making a choice that is not favor- not in their in the jiva's interest. I mean, we do that. You have had experience of making choices that are not in your interest, even though you know they're not in your interest. This is addressed in the Gita. Arjun wants to know what is it that makes me do things that I know are not in my interest, and he says that is it, it is. It is, it is the tamaguna, kama esha, rajaguna, rajaguna tamaguna. Is is it's we call it kama, lust, desire. This is what the Buddha called it. You know the 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 fire that we're burning up in in samsara, fire of desire. Um, so, if you're going to have will, and we do, I mean we know that. Um, then you cannot say, you cannot say to God, "Look, um, you, you, I would." Um, if you want will, and that means to be, right, and be experiential and so forth, it seems pretty valuable compared to not having will. And just being an automaton, a robot, not too desirable, right? 
We resist that. So will is very, very valuable. When Gandhi was told by the British, when Gandhi told the British, we want to rule our own country, and the British said, you're not fit to rule your country, Gandhi said, well, we want the right to rule it wrong then. <laughs> but we, we want freedom hmm, uh, from your uh, regime and so forth. So the value of will. Now, as much as we may want to celebrate will and the virtues of it, the value of it and so forth, you cannot at the same time complain to God why there is evil in the world. Hmm? That's like asking God, could you please make a round circle? Hmm. Not a good question, hmm, so to speak. Could you make a round circle? So, like, uh, yeah, I, I can make a round circle. But anyway, it's in other words, how can you have freedom, will, without the possibility of making a wrong choice. If you can only make right choices, then you don't... <laughs> where's the opportunity to... Uh, so, so, something like that. So, because of the, the will, the jiva is endowed with will, and it's, 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 uh, it's, it's most um, uh, desirable, you know, kind of quality, if you will, uh, it makes it different than in it, than the inanimate, but it's it's its problem as well. It, it 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 may not be good at managing it. Now there is a supreme will, and so the trick is well to bring my will in connection with the supreme will because he's not having a problem hmm, with the whole affair. I give a little indigestion, and the body of God has to burp every now and then, but uh, but it's more my problem. <laughs> Than 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 God's problem. Hmm? So, so there's. I, I mean, I just trying to understand your question. You seem to see me saying the body of God. God's all good. How can there be things contrary to bhakti, which wouldn't be good, in the body of God, right? Um, and then you. So I don't know how well I've answered that for you, but you can come back and ask further if you'd like or comment. But then you go on to ask, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, about those players in the Leela who enter into Vrindavan. Hmm? How do they get there? Because they're, they're, they're not uh, anukul. They don't have a favorable attitude towards Krishna. Indeed, they have a very unfavorable attitude. So how did they get in there? It's kind of similar, but a little, a little different. Um, what is their position and so forth. There is a, a, a book called the Garga Samhita that, incidentally, that um, speaks about the previous lives of the Putana and the Kamsa and this one and that one. It's interesting. Hmm? It talks about things they did that thereby they took birth as the Putana and the Ternavarta and so forth. And then, So there's some explanation like that that uh, puts it into perspective. But in another broader sense, Jiva Goswami makes the point, and I've raised it before, um, that sometimes we hear, for example, that uh, Durvasa entered into Vaikuntha. 
He was being chased by the chakra of, of, of Narayan for having offended Narayan's devotee, Ambarish. He went to Brahma, he couldn't get relief. He went to Shiva, he couldn't get relief. He went to Narayan, means he went into Vaikuntha. But how do you get into Vaikuntha if you're running from the chakra of Narayan, which, mean, which means you're not on good terms here? You know, it's the world of his devotees, and you've just offended uh, his devotee. And how can you get in there? Hmm? So it's a similar idea, right? How can Putana and other such um, uh, undesirables, the henchmen and women of Kamsa, enter into Vrindavan? So Jiva Goswami makes the point. He says that sometimes a king brings a tiger into the palace to entertain the residents. Hmm? Yeah, and uh, brings them in. He's in a cage, but he brings them in and and sometimes then uh, the, 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 uh, this way the royalty and whoever he's invited to his, his party that night is, is entertained by the, the presence of a tiger who's in the room but, but in the cage and really not in the room and not fit to be in the room and it would be a problem if he was and so forth. So sometimes Orion allows persons like that to come in for entertainment for the inhabitants of the Dom, so to speak. They can look at the beast and and and, uh, and think, oh goodness, <laughs> glad we're not like that. Uh, something to this effect. So it's a play, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, after all, it appears that Krishna is in danger. But we know that can't be the case, right? Mm-hmm. It appears... So there's an appearance of that. And that also, from another positive point of view, it causes certain emotions to arise in the devotees that endear them to Krishna in certain ways and so forth. So he, he, there's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to taste on Krishna's part, for example, their fear or their fearlessness. Bayankar is one of the secondary rasas. It means uh, uh, fear. Hmm. Um, and uh, so it, it, it may be a little relative to uh, relative to some of the rasas so they can have fear for Krishna's well-being and taste a rasa, the emotion, of fear in relation to their object of love, which is an intensification of love. And so he's tasting all these feelings that he is the center. So they have a, a, a place that they can roll, they can play there. Therefore, it's said sometimes that when Krishna, of course, when Krishna manifests in the world hmm, and performs a leela, then you have the worldly influences, you're on location. But in in Aprakan, the unmanifest Leela, then there's only rumors about such such troubles and emotions of, for example, of adbut, amazement, uh, at, uh, or uh, uh, fear, and so forth. That uh, it, it uh, um, manifests. So there's an important. Uh, 
place forward and looking at the whole picture, there's no problem, right? It's only looking at it from a certain angle that seems to be a problem. And here's something that looks very, very anti-bhakti, but it's actually come full circle and and we, we thanks to Putana for that uh, opportunity to experience that emotion in, in, in the Leela, right? Mm-hmm. So it's at a more of a metaphysical uh, perspective that the problems are all an angle of angle of vision only. Does that help? Yeah. Um, so qualitatively speaking, um, could we say that um, anything only exists in full in Vrindavan? And then, um, it's also when we're speaking, I was wondering if we could say that um, those influences don't enter into Vrindavan um, in a qualitative way because, um, like Putina doesn't have, it's not like a devotee when she enters them, so she's not entering into Vrindavan herself. She's not fully entering it in, into the consciousness that of Vrindavan. Yeah, sometimes it's said that in the in the Dom, in this world, there's a what is it called? Proto Maya. Maya makes this uh, Proto Maya, this kind of, I guess, film or something like that over the top. People walk on that. They can't go. They, they seem to be in the Dom, but they're not because they're not, the idea is they're not in the consciousness of it. That's why you could be in Vrindavan anywhere, hmm? right? That's why it said it is an offense to the Dom to think of it as a limited geographical area. As much as it's emphasized, go to the Dom, go to the Dom, we're also told it's not a geographical area. So you got to put these things together and realize it's a, it's a Krishna a consciousness, right? And, um, and then you can enter into the plane or the realm of of that consciousness. And Mahaprabhu, he said, uh, uh, he saw Vrindavan everywhere, right? He saw the river, he thought it was the Jamuna. He saw the ocean, thought it was Jamuna. For example, so everything reminding him of Vrindavan. So she didn't enter in that sense. Right. Um, but what was the other part? Is everything only full in Vrindavan or something? Like, qualitatively speaking, could you say that um, anything only fully exists in Vrindavan as much as it would only well, I'm not sure what you mean because there are other realms. For example, Baikuntha and, and, and love is full there. Even in, a, in a, it's a different type. It's a reverential type of love. The Dasya Bhakti there is different than in Vrindavan, but it's it's full in itself, and and he's tasting it there and so forth. So. What else? Yes. Fear, when you talk about fear, fear as from the mind or from heart. From where comes this feeling? Sometimes people say you need to be here for the feeling you have when you take the wrong decision or the right decision. 
but sometimes we have a fear and we don't know this is from here or from here. How we can... Well, fear is an emotion, right? So the um, we emotions are experienced in psychic matter, and they and then they they manifest in certain ways in physical matter. So, if you want to look at psychic matter and physical matter, let's look at the hand and the glove. There's a hand and there's a glove. So you can you can you can. You can say that you know the glove does this, the glove does that, and not know that there's a hand underneath there that's actually moving, and so forth. Um, so scientists sometimes look at the brain and they don't know there's a mind. They want to think there's no mind because they can't find something called a mind. But there are things that happen in the brain. See, this happens here, and then it affected the person in that way. So they're, they're thinking the mind must be just a physical thing because we just haven't understood the complexity of the brain enough. Um, of course, now they're finding in very less complex brains, they're finding a sense of self, hmm? also even in insects. So you might not be able to fully figure out the human brain, but what about a bee's brain? It's a lot smaller. Uh, you can't find the the sense of where the sense of self and the sense of being an experiencer derives, because uh, it doesn't derive from the brain. It's not not physical, but there is a physical correspondence. So, you know what 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 core what causes the dopamine, whatever it is, to you know go off chemically in the brain? Is it the is it the brain causing the mind, or is the mind causing the brain? So this correlation. Between mind and brain is, is 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 different than causation. You can't conclude causation simply by correlation. So it's a given in Vedanta that there's a correlation between the brain and the mind. Hmm? Um, and so mental states are going to express themselves within the physical because the life, materially speaking, is this composite of the biological and the physical. So. Emotions are experienced in in the psychic matter. We call it the subtle body. Hmm? That's mental emotional world. That's the mental emotion. That's where we live. Hmm? And we've got a car to drive in. That's the body. But we, you know, we we we're the person inside. Mentally, we're a mental person. That person doesn't can endure forever. We're a spiritual person beyond that. But our personality and our mental emotional life it's it's all subtle right you can take vamsi can prescribe drugs for you to make your fear go away for a little while but but uh but uh, uh what was that what behaviorism i guess it would be called is kind of out <laughs> right so, so a long time ago so anyway it's a little complex for you not speaking English, but your question is not that good of a question because you're asking, is the, is the fear, which is an emotion, come from the heart of the mind? It, heart of the mind. What, what do you mean by the heart? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it physical? How can an emotion be 
be physical. It can it can cause something physical to happen. Like you can have fear, and it will cause your heart to beat fast, right? Cause your heart to beat fast. Or you can have fear, and it can well make you feel afraid. <laughs> it can cause your hairs to stand up, and you can your body can can tremble, and so forth. So it's an example of emotional life, mental life, subtle body life, affecting the gross body, the physical body. So all of our emotions are occurring experiences in the subtle body. And then they affect the physical body in different ways. So where does fear come from? Well, it may be driven by certain encounters that we have um, and our perspective mentally and emotionally, other one thing is going to cause us fear and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and not another person necessarily. But, um, um, you, you know, your, your question is maybe equally applied. Where does any emotion come from? I guess that's how I'm answering it. Any emotion uh, arises in the subtle body. Hmm? That's where it's experienced. That's where experience is. Because the mental psychic matter has this capacity to reflect the light of consciousness, which tells us that consciousness unto itself has emotional power and prospect. That's what we call its its possible its potential for rasa, because now it's reflected in the in the in the in the subtle matter and. It's taking on this whole emotional life and so forth. So, anyway, emotions come, appear in the subtle body. They, they arise there. Um, whether it be fear or whether it be, um, you know, whatever the opposite of fear is. <laughs> Not sure. But, um, but you know, uh, let's, I guess we talked about further. What, what makes you... Um, uh, afraid. I guess there's different levels of being afraid, and if we can be afraid of so many things, we can be afraid of ourselves. Fear pervades material existence, hmm? uh, and appropriately so, because we have, materially speaking, a sense of self that the world will not allow uh, to endure. Hmm? We're surrounded by impermanence and we have a sense of self that's built from impermanent ingredients. Hmm? And so there's an inborn in that sense of self fear that I might not exist and that I've got to get busy and I've got to struggle. And So the fear is probably the most pervasive um, whatever uh, uh, emotion uh, of material existence. It's built into the very um, impermanent nature of the material sense of self, the, the ego. Hmm? We resist it, and uh, we resist it for, for, for the reason, ultimately, is that we're not impermanent. If we were impermanent, we probably wouldn't uh, put up much resistance to something else that was impermanent. Um, but we do. We resist the impermanence. 
and we uh, we struggle to to live, to survive, and to and to uh, and to look good at the party, and say, have said the right things, and how did I do? You know, and how did you know? It's all, it's all fear, anxiety, fear, and the bird whoosh, flies off. Hmm? Huh. Looks beautiful, but it's afraid. Hmm? So it's this very visceral fear, anxiety, fear uh, is just is. is is the is, in one sense, the material uh, existence. It's a fearful existence. So, to have a fearless person in our life, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Prabhupada's name was fearless. Abhay Charanadavan, the fearless at the lotus feet of Krishna. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we're, uh, that's the solution. So. Then you might think, well, I'm a devotee. Why I have fear sometimes? Because you're materially conditioned, so you have you have fears. You have fears about your ability to practice. Uh, um, you have um, neurosis and and so forth. But uh, we, therefore, we try to come out of rajaguna and sattvaguna. Uh, excuse me, rajaguna and tamaguna. When you come out of rajaguna and tamaguna, then you can start to become fearless. That is a mode sattva that's that's that has some sense of endurance in the world, maintenance, sustenance. It's sustainable, sustainable. You gravitate towards something that is sustainable—a popular word, but a good one. Something sustainable is uh, then will diminish the the, the, the fear, hmm? and in the context of sattva. What, which is relatively sustainable and brings um, contentment, uh, one can glimpse the self beyond the body-mind complex and the fact that there is, there is a truly and in all respects enduring life. And I'm a unit of that. I'm not the body-mind complex. So... Um, Sattva, therefore, is characterized by knowledge and happiness, contentment. In contentment, there's no fear. Or really, really, to be really situated in sattva is, is quite a subtle, happy type of uh, affair. And and there's there's contentment also based on the knowledge that well, you know, you don't know why you're suffering. You don't know why you're afraid. You know why the boogeyman's gone. You know, there's no, there's not really some guy underneath the bed at night, and you understand it, even if you experience it again. Now you know there's no boogeyman, so it's okay. You, you know what it is. It's a, whatever. Hmm. Um, so even if you, even though I'm saying sattva is a materially conditioned um, uh, state. The knowledge that is concomitant to it is uh, deals with the the problem, if you will, that still exists, but doesn't then have the power to affect us negatively as it does in in a, in a state of discontentment, rajas, or in a state of delusion, Thomas. So, fear is pervades material existence. How to get out of it? You have to. 
um, do sadhana. Mm-hmm. Sadhana, spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. What else? What's the time? I've heard that. Yes. <coughs> I was reading Chaitanya Chaitanya Paris today and at the end of the first chapter of the Antelila, Chilaboko Swami is visiting Mahaprabhu for the second time in Puri. And when Mahaprabhu is. Uh, Who's visiting? Mahaprabhu Swami. Uh-huh. And when he's. Uh, when Mahaprabhu is. This uh, in English, bidding farewell. Yeah. Uh, Mahaprabhu tells Pupa. Okay, go to Vrindavan, and, and I will go one more time there. Mm-hmm. So, my question is, in, in which sense does Mahaprabhu return? Because apparently he's not returning. Mm-hmm. So, in following this line of Manamora, Vrindavan, or whatever conceptual, mm-hmm. what's your opinion on that? Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also told... Um, Gopal Bhatta Goswami. Mm-hmm. Mm. Go to Vrindavan and I will meet you then, again, there. They had met in South India. And um, he told him to go to Vrindavan and I'll, I'll meet you there. But he didn't go. So he told Rupa Goswami he would, he would go there and meet him again, but he didn't. Mm. In the case of Gopal Bhatta, he sent his shoes there, and his cloth, and his seat, which is a little little wooden asana. So, in one sense, it was thought that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu returned via those um, that paraphernalia of his, and it's kept on the altar in the temple of Gopal Bhatta. Goswami is a separate uh, shrine, actually, for the seat of Mahaprabhu. We have a piece of this cloth here on our altar we keep. Uh, so, um, it's in a box. And um, in another way, also, um, he was thought to have returned there for Gopal Bhatta. And that is that Gopal Bhatta was worshipping the Shalagram stone. He had several of them that he had got from the Gandaki River in the Himalayas. It's a stone representation, representing Narayan. And he was lamenting on a Nishringa Chaturdasi, thinking about the devotion of Prahlad and how Krishna had personally manifest before him and thinking it would be nice if Krishna would personally manifest and and, and I could worship him in so many ways. Uh, these stones I can worship with mantra and a few things, but anyway, so he went to bed at night and, and he woke up in the morning and in the, he used to keep them in a little straw basket and the lid on the basket was moved and he thought, uh-oh, so maybe a snake has gotten in there. So he was cautious and he opened it up. When he opened it up, one of the stones had expanded hmm, and turned into his beautiful deity. It's about so high, Radharaman. And on his shoulder here, here and on his hip, you can see that the Shalagram 
the stone. He's made out of the shalagram. This is a special stone. And so this is we call a self-manifest deity. Manifest. And in, in that deity is called Radha Raman. It's only Krishna, but he's called Radha Raman. And there was a Radha for him too. What's the story on that, Radha? They keep a crown and a dress there for her, but there's no deity. Anyway, he, she, he is thought to be the um, manifest... Uh, it said that uh, Radha and Krishna combined. He's called Radha Raman. He's thought to be Radha and Krishna combined, which is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha and Krishna combined. So in this way, he returned to Vrindavan for Gopal Bhatta, and I guess... Um, Rupa Goswami was able to take advantage <laughs> as well. Um, that's uh, one answer, and um, and of course, um, you know, in a more um, um, in another sense, he never leaves. So, mm. but in the context of the Leela, historically, of course, yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not return to Vrindavan. But it's like saying, go to Vrindavan and I'll meet you there. And when you get to Vrindavan, you realize he's here. This is where he is. He's everywhere, but he's here. And uh, that's the best I can do on that. <laughs> all right, so it's nice to sit with you all. We'll stop there for the night. Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Shri Gaur Nityananda Ki Jai Shri Shri Dauji Gopal Ki Jai Shri Shri Gaur Adhamadava Ki Jai Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Jai